With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. That's right. The Boardroom Surfboard Show coming up here September 25th and 26th, presented by U.S. Blanks. We have a massive hall filled with the entire surfboard manufacturing industry, all of the top brands and some really cool brands that you're going to want to get to know. Great deals on boards, wetsuits, fins, gear, plenty to see and hear at this year's show. Of course, kicking it all off is the Icons of Foam tribute to Pat Rawson, this year's honoree, and we have eight shapers that Pat has selected. They'll be squaring off in a competition to honor Pat, their friend, and also to highlight the sacred art of hand shaping a surfboard out of foam, and basically as a way to pay homage to their friend, Pat Rawson. In addition, we have an opportunity for you, an intimate and exclusive dinner with Pat Rawson Friday night at 6 p.m. at Ranch 45, the Friday night before the boardroom show. It would be Friday, September 24th. And you get to be one of only eight people sitting at a table with Pat Rawson, a five-course gourmet meal prepared by Aaron and Pam at Ranch 45. And you also get one of the shaped blanks from the round one of the Icon of Foam shape-off. So dinner and a surfboard with Pat Rawson, live acoustic music, hors d'oeuvres, beer, wine, a five-course meal, and two tickets for the weekend of the boardroom show, September 25th and 26th. All of that is available right now. You can go into the boardroom site, boardroomshow.com, and buy the tickets. Or if you just want to go to the event that weekend, September 25th and 26th, single day and weekend tickets are available right now, boardroomshow.com. Also, the California Gold Surf Auction is underway. We're in the middle of loading the catalog. We have over 40 incredibly historical and culturally significant surfboards on the auction block. Boards from legends such as Pat Curran, Rennie Yader, Jerry Lopez, Dick Brewer, Hobie Alter, Glenn Pang, Al Merrick, Fred Van Dyke, Robbie Dick, Greg Knoll, and many, many others. It's an incredible curated selection of surfboard gold pulled from barns, rafters, and honey holes around the world. For more information, visit CaliforniaGoldSurfAuction.com. You can register. Bidding begins September 18th at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Begins closing October 2nd, Saturday at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. You can bid from anywhere in the world. Download the app. Look at the catalog. Register and begin bidding. CaliforniaGoldSurfAuction.com. And let me tell you about Headstock, the Headstock Guitar Lovers Festival taking place in San Diego the first weekend in November. We have a gorgeous room filled with guitar builders, luthiers, they're called. Exquisitely crafted guitars, both acoustic and electric. 
If you love guitars the way I do, you're going to love this show. Live performances, seminars, discussions, panels, and of course, a room filled with gorgeous guitars. What's not to like? We are going to have beer and gourmet food trucks as well. A weekend of beautiful guitars and the universally loved language of music. Guitarloversfestival.com, the Headstock Guitar Lovers Festival. Check that out. And now, onto the podcast. This man is a dear friend of mine. He's been a spiritual mentor giving me guidance based on the Judeo-Christian ethos that we both share. And he's my right-hand man at the boardroom since 2009, basically helping me run the show smoothly, especially the icons of foam shape off. I couldn't do the show without the expertise that Tim Crozier provides me. And he's built me some great surfboards, and we're going to talk about all of those things and more on this episode of the Boardroom Podcast, Tim Crozier, let us begin. Well, welcome, Tim Crozier. It's good to have you here, my friend. Um, for the listeners that don't know, uh, Tim's a dear friend of mine. And, and um, I was trying to figure out the right way to say this because I was going to say you're my right-hand man, but I didn't want to... Uh, I don't know. That makes it seem like you're below me or something like that, which isn't true. So I didn't, I was concerned with how to phrase that. Like, are you comfortable with you're my right hand man at the boardroom show or is that, or is there a better sure. way to do it? I mean, I could come up with an elaborate title. <laughs> that, that's what we should do. We should come up with something like <laughs> Have to have like two name badges just to, you know, carry that title. You're like a director of, well, whatever it is, I think it should start with the word supreme. I totally agree with that. This is true. <laughs> this is absolutely true. You're the I mean, supreme. It just sounds way better when it starts with supreme. It's, I'm going to start doing this. I, you know, start, <laughs> this is why you're my right-hand man, because you come up with these insanely good things. And this is, <laughs> all right. And the supreme director of shaping and competition. I got a question for you. When was, what was the last board game? that you played oh man this is a this is an easy one some friends of ours they live here in lucadia uh not too far from us they uh bought this board game and it's horse racing you've got this board of i think it's like 12 lanes it's a it's a dice game you roll the dice and then whatever number the dice are that horse you know moves forward and i mean anytime alcohol is involved it, it ups the game right but what's fun about this couple is they have these hats this hat collection and so when you come into their house it doesn't matter what size your your skull is you have to put on a hat to start drinking so they've got this like martini room right and so the rule is you can't sit in this room without wearing one of these hats playing this board game everyone's got these hats on and fake jewelry and cigars and drinking and rolling. I mean, it's Delmar right. Fairgrounds, but it's at their house, you know? Oh, so that's, that's the last awesome. board game. Yeah, I didn't. That's amazing. You read me the rules, basically, of this game. Yeah. <laughs> I, just, I just wanted to know. <laughs> Sorry, man. That was a long answer to a short question. It was, that's okay. Now we know you play board games, and you've done so recently. Yeah. Which isn't something most people do. <laughs> I mean, I don't think. I can't speak for everybody, but. Give us a little bit. So I know you really well, but the listeners might not. So give me a give us a little bit of your background. Um, 
I know you that you were in the military. Maybe tell me a little bit about that. Leading up to that, what happened was I was um, taking welding in high school. I went to a trade school where half the day I would go to the trade school. And then in the afternoon, I would go to regular high school classes or whatever. And I think I only went to like two classes in the afternoon. Um, But like my math class, my science class, those were all at the trade school. I think stuff like government and English, you know, were at regular school. Um, So I was taking welding at trade school my junior and senior year of high school. And I was looking at the Navy as continuing education for welding. And uh, so I come from a military family. My father was in the Air Force. His father was in the Army Air Corps during World War II before it was deemed the Air Force. And then my mother's father was in the Navy as well. My dad's brother, my dad's dad's brother, so that makes him my great uncle, was a welder. And he worked on the Alaskan pipeline. Then he lived in Florida six months of the year. And he was a badass. This guy, long leaf tobacco, put it in the morning, took it out at night, never saw him spit. He could build hot rods from the ground up. I mean, he's just a man's man. And I idolized this guy growing up. And um, so welding was kind of like my thing. And, you know, I kind of didn't have the college bend in me at that time. And so it was like, yeah, you know, Navy looks good. I'll be able to get, you know, four years under my belt of welding and get out and maybe go underwater welding, go up to the Alaskan pipeline, whatever. Yeah. So I joined the Navy my junior year of high school and my dad was being, he was stationed in Korea at the time. So I had to send him all the paperwork. He signed it and he was not happy. I was joining the Navy, but you know, I explained to him the reasons why I wasn't joining the air force because there wasn't the same opportunity for welding, you know, experience but after my dad signed all that paperwork and I was set to go um once I graduated I was at the recruiter's office one day and this guy walks in and his arm was in a sling and uh, he was in his uniform and he had some extra stuff on you know and I was like whoa man what's what's this guy all about so I asked the recruiter and he was like oh he's a navy seal and just kind of like moved on. And I was like, hold, hold, hold on. A what? You know? And he's like a Navy SEAL. And I was like, well, what, what are those? What are those? You know? So he explained what the Navy SEALs did. And I went, change of plans. <laughs> so I, uh, I actually switched and I, I joined the Navy to actually pursue the SEALs. So that's what brought me to San Diego in uh, December of 91. So I finished boot camp in Florida, came out to Coronado and started SEAL training in uh, February of 92. Um, So I went through Hell Week in April and Wednesday night of Hell Week, I got sick, like really sick, like bilateral pneumonia sick. And uh, the doc at the time was saying he recommended me going back to the beginning of first phase so I can heal up and then go through first phase again, go through hell week. And I'm like, dude, it's Wednesday night. Like I can see the finish line. There's no way I'm not going to finish hell week. 
So you just pump me full of antibiotics every night for the next couple of nights. And I was able to finish hell week. So when you finish hell week, you change your undershirt from a white shirt to a green shirt. And that designates, you know, you've accomplished hell week at least. So I got held in training on the seventh week, uh, the week after hell week. And I waited for the next class to finish hell week, joined their class, finished first phase, went into second phase. And, um, second phase is dive phase. So you're wet all the time. I mean, you're wet all the time in seal training, no matter what, but you're really wet in, in dive phase. And, um, man, my lungs just kept coming back to haunt me. I, I had a really bad sinus squeeze during one of the dive evolutions. And then ultimately in pool comp, shallow water blackout is what took me out of, of training. Cause I had already had two med rolls and that's all they offer you is two rolls period. Yeah. So at that point, you know, I'm like, now what, you know, I didn't pursue welding and I, I really tried for this thing and it didn't work out. So what am I doing with the rest of my time in, in the Navy? So they said at that point, I should try for explosive ordnance disposal. What was, what was going on <laughs> in the Persian Gulf <laughs> in 1991? Wow. I was like, dude, there's no way I'm going to take apart someone else's bomb. Like, you teach yeah. me how to make a bomb and it blows up. That's on me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Literally blows up in your face, you know? But I was like, there's no way I'm going to go out there and mess around with IEDs. Like, that yeah. is just not what I want to do. And they said, well, you should do Navy diver. And I'm like, that's just another word for a glorified janitor. You know, I'm just going to be under the hull of a boat scrubbing barnacles off. No, thanks. So they said, well, search and rescue. So that's what I did for the rest of the time in the Navy. And, oh, cool. uh, Went to the Persian Gulf in 94, um, came back in 95 and got out in June and um, went straight into the surfboard industry. Cool. Well, um, are these really long answers, by the way? Well, I mean, they're, I'm, I'm a talker, dude. That's okay. Just yeah. let it roll, bro. Okay. This is a long form podcast. Okay. People, people can listen at 1.5 speed, you know, and it just, like, <laughs> that's what I do. That's good. Um, well, okay. So now you're a board builder. Like, give me a little bit of insight. Like, where did you learn the trade? Where did you cut your teeth, so to speak, in the surfboard manufacturing industry? So like pretty much every uh, person in the Navy in San Diego, you, you have to have lived in Ocean Beach at one point <laughs> or else yeah. you're not really a San Diegan, you know, a transplant anyways. Yeah. Um, so I was surfing OB pier and, uh, coming back out from a wave paddling back out, a guy's board was in the surf and it, you know, hit up against mine. So I grabbed the board, you know, he swam up, we're looking the boards over. Sure enough, there was a ding on mine. So the guy offered to fix it. And I'm thinking, dude, you're going to slap some solar res on this and call, charge me 40 bucks. You know, I'm like, no, I'll just take it to Joe Ropers. He's like, well, I'll probably wind up fixing it anyways. Cause that's where I work. So I was like, <laughs> all right, here you go. You know, this is before cell phones. This is before everyone had a cell phone. So I had yeah. to like get his number and call him on the landline a week later. And uh, he goes, Hey, I live over in a sports arena area. I'll just bring it back home with me and save you a trip up in the PB. So I was like, all right, cool. I went over to his house and his wife answered the door. She's like, Oh, are you looking for Chris? He's, he's out back, you know? And so I went around the house and he, there was a little shed out back and I could hear the planer, you know, didn't even know what it was, but I could hear it. And I opened the door and he was in there shaping a board and 
I asked if I could watch him about an hour later, he was done shaping. We were talking and he offered me a job and I'm like, dude, I'm, I'm in the Navy. Like I can't, can't take up a, a job, you know, building surfboards. Um, he goes, well, just let me know when you're, when you're back from the Persian Gulf and if you yeah. want a job, you know, and it's still there. And so that's what I did, man. And I'm uh, assuming, is that Chris Reddy? Yeah. Chris Reddy. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Ukulele. Yeah. Cool. So fast forward a little bit. Um, you're, you're, um, so Chris, Chris, well, let's just, let's just stay in this line of logic. Chris, yeah. um, you got back from the Navy and Chris kind of set you up and, mm-hmm. um, and you worked for ukulele and what were you doing with Chris? What was he having you do? Were you sanding? Were you, did you take shaping lessons from Chris? Like, no, no, actually I didn't learn any shaping from Chris directly. Actually, Ruben Garcia was the guy who helped me first shape and glass aboard. And that was the laminator. And before Gabe started working there, I was the sander. But I mean, I, I was 22 when I got out of the Navy, you know, yeah. so I was kind of just a shop grom yeah. and literally sweeping the floors, uh, cutting lambs out, uh, pulling glass and cutting the glass for, for Ruben, yeah. you know, just schlep work basically. And yeah. over time, you know, as you show yourself competent, they give you a little bit more. And so I locked in the sanding position and sanded, you know, sanded boards for gloss, sanded boards for sand finish. Uh, I learned how to do like cloth inlays because Chris did a lot of like Hawaiian print inlays. Uh, learned how to do airbrush for pin lines, hot coats, routing out thin boxes, putting in leash cups, just kind of all the yeah piecework, you know? Yeah. Um, and then where did that take you? I left Chris's shop because at that point I was partying pretty hard. You know, Chris had a, a view on partying and I had a different view. And so I, I left and I went to a glass shop where I knew the guys that ran the shop partied, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that probably wasn't too hard to find. <laughs> yeah, no. So I uh, went to that shop, started working there. And actually, that's where I met Chris Christensen for the first time. So Chris was renting a, a shaping room across the hallway from the room that I sanded in down the hall from my room on Is the that same down side. in the um, Marina Boulevard area. No, actually this was uh, old town. Okay. Right, right behind the spa war building. Yeah. It, this, this company was called fiberglass services unlimited. And it was two brothers. I think they were from New Jersey, Brian and Mike. I think were their names. And then their dad was kind of like the finances in it, you know? Yeah. And Mike was an unreal surfer, like yeah, one of the best in, in the water. Yeah. Um, Brian ran the whole thing, but anyway, yeah, that's where I met Christensen for the first time. And Dick Brewer had a room at the end, whenever he would come over from Hawaii, he would uh, be shaping out of that. Yeah. We did a lot of Rusty's Xanadu's Steve Boysen's, uh, Sean Ambrose. Yeah. Sean Ambrose. Yeah. And I think we did some Bissell maybe at that time too. So you're just, you're just laminating. At this no, moment. I was a little Sander. Sander. Okay. Yeah. But th- there's the shop is just, it, it's a glass shop. Full glass shop. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. All right. And, and what about Christensen's? Were you doing Christensen's? Yeah. I mean, sanding. Yeah. Sorry. Um, yeah. Sanded Christensen's as well. Um, yeah. I think it was shortly after that that he and Dick Brewer did a shop in, in OB. 
together. And then yeah. it was after that, that he landed over Marina Boulevard. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, look, now your Blackbird, Blackbird surfboards, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. I have one behind me. You can see it. That's the one that you made. Split for panel. Me. Yep. Beautiful. But people might not know. Well, we've told people, um, you know, you and I've been through a lot together, you mm-hmm. know, um, because you're my supreme shaping director and competition supreme. I like that. Uh, for <clears throat> the boardroom. But even before that, when we were Sacred Craft, right? And I'm trying to remember what year you came on. I know exactly um, what year. Yeah. What, when was it? Oh, nine. Well, the first show was the Yater Spoon in Ventura. Okay, that was the first show you did. So that was 08. No, I think it was 09. I thought it was 08. Well, I did 07. I did, um, we honored Diffendurfer. Mm-hmm. 08, we honored Billy Castor. And 09 was the first time I went to Ventura. We honored Bradbury, Bradbury, and Brewer. Brewer and Del well, I, was, Mar, I was a part of all of those. I remember Bradbury and I remember Brewer. Rennie was 2010. Mm-hmm. I did Bradbury before I did Rennie. Okay. Well, then what year was Bradbury? Uh, 09. Uh, I guess then it was 09. Yeah. Okay. Maybe. I mean, we're both probably off by a year or two. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so that's yeah. cool. So you were there and you, you helped me in basically, you know, more or less since the beginning. And, mm-hmm. and, um, yeah, I don't remember being a part of the Diffendurfer show, which I really wish I would have been there for that. You said the next one was Castor? Yeah, Castor was OA. I think those were the two shows I, I wasn't a part of, were those yeah. two shows. Yeah. And then, so in 09, you, you started on with Sacred Craft, and um, you've been building out the shaping base for us ever since and doing mm-hmm. all sorts of really helpful stuff, basically, like I said. Dude, those, those shaping bays... Those were such caveman bays. I know. Oh my gosh, man. That's one of the most incredible improvements you've ever brought to this show is changing out those shaping rooms. <laughs> I know. Thank God we sold the show. <laughs> the people I sold the show to took those shaping rooms. I had to get new ones in there. Those, those people must have really done you some wrong. <laughs> <laughs> man. Well, Dude, things were brutal, but I mean, you know, I they know. served a purpose at their time for sure. But man, your upgrade was phenomenal. Yeah, we went from like hideously heavy steel to super light aluminum, which was well, in, in way more viewer uh, benefit as well. And I think yeah. that was really the main thing you were looking for was to improve, you know, the participation from the viewers, per, you know, perspective. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Definitely accomplished that. Who is the most influential board builder for you in your life? Like when you, from this point today, looking back, who has been the most influential guy in your career as a, as a craftsman? Cause you do it all. I mean, you're one of those classics that does it all, you know, who do you call? Well, I call Wayne rich a lot. Yeah. But um, do you, what do you talk about? <laughs> I talked to Wayne rich yesterday and it was like an hour and a half of super fun conversation. I'm oh, not totally. Sure. And then you forget why you called him. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know no, I mean, I, I do call Wayne a lot about shaping. He, he just has so much, uh, well, obviously experience. He he's obviously reached a level of craftsmanship that anyone, regardless of their trade can admire and appreciate, but he, he's really, uh, He's really good about the technical side of things, but also kind of like the more philosophical approach as well, you know, so he can, he can think right and left brain in that sense. 
Like I was talking with JJ Wessels a couple months ago about pigs and the narrow noses. And, you know, you kind of look at a wide nose longboard and you're thinking, oh man, stability, you know, like, oh, I could hang 10 on that all day long. But I've actually more recently gravitated more towards the pig and the narrow nose and found really incredible stability on the nose on pigs, which you would kind of look at a narrow nose and just kind of go, oh man, that's going to be tippy. But Wayne put something on me that just, it just blew my mind, you know, and and those are the things that I call Wayne about, you know, things that not everyone can kind of unpack, deconstruct and then reconstruct. And then you walk away going, oh my gosh, I get it, you know, but on a direct, like working alongside of someone perspective, uh, I really learned a lot from Dave Dom. Dave's kind of like a below the radar guy. He's not a big you know, self-promoter. He's, he's, he's a genius though. You know, yeah. when it comes to engineering, he has a master's in engineering. Uh, those owned- first shaping bays came from Dave Dom. Exactly. <laughs> Dave Dom designed those and he owned a CNC business at the time. Yeah. And he, he made those with um, Steve. Um, I can't believe I can't remember his last name. Sir Blacks all the time. Anyway. Was that his partner, his business partner? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big I, remember who you, I remember that guy, yeah. Yeah, he's a great guy. I'm just skipping his name. Starts with a yeah. C. Um, um, but yeah, Dave, Dave taught me a lot of the techniques, and he knows a lot about the materials. And I think that that's something that takes a lot of time when you first step into surfboard building, is understanding the nature of the materials you're working with and how those things go together. You know, resin and fiberglass per se. Like you have to really understand how those work independently. And then yeah. also what happens when you put those two things together. You know? you know, Dave, Dave reminds me of Hobie Alter because Hobie was this guy who's like, Oh my God, I'm so into this thing. Let's call it the surfboard at the time. Yeah. And Dave just dives into it, you know? Totally. And, and then as soon as he's done with it, he's like, okay, I'm on to the, the next, next thing. thing, you know? Yeah. And he fully gets into it and he figures it out and he does it. And then he's like, okay, cool. Let's figure out the foil, you know? And he totally. just, he's kind of like Hobie in that way. Like he just, he can make stuff, you know, and then, and he's into it, but he's not into it for any other reason than to kind of conquer it and then yep. move on. Yep. I'd agree with that. Definitely learned a lot from him. Like I said, initially, uh, Ruben Garcia helped me with my first shape and my what first. About Chris? What about Christensen? Oh, I learned a lot from Christensen. I, and I learned a lot from working at Chris's factory. Yeah. Um, I think just, the thing that I, probably learned the most from Christensen though was the the really fine-tuned finishing of a shape yeah Yeah. Uh, so once I started shaping finish shaping for Chris I'd put you know a stack of 10 in his room and he would come in and you know he'd pull them down one at a time and he'd go over every aspect of it and he'd be like here fill this and I'd be like okay I'd fill that He'd be like, now fill this one. And um, he's like, this is my rail. This is your rail. What's the difference? You know? So I called that process getting my whiskers. You know how cats rely so much on their whiskers. Like he really helped calibrate my fingers, Mm -hmm. you know, by, by just feeling subtleties and feeling differences. And I was like, I I don't feel it, Chris. What are you talking about? He's like, here, fill this one. And I'd feel it and be like, Oh, I feel it there. Yeah. But it cost me because every time he felt something different, he's freaking knocking off a dollar on my invoice. You know what I mean? So <laughs> like a $25 longboard finish was now 15. Cause there was 10 things he found on it, you know? And I was like, damn, 
I got to hurry up and get better at this stuff, you know? <laughs> and, and Chris was also somebody that I learned the, the importance of not just focusing on being a board builder, but being a brand builder. Yeah. If that makes sense. You know, no, it totally does. Because totally when does. I first met Chris in 90, what was that? 96. I think it was like 96. That I met Chris yeah. and he was just running a shaping bay. Yeah. In a, in a glass shop, you know, he was yeah. an underground guy. He had a, he had, remember that guy, Phil, that rode for him? I think he still does. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I know you mean. Artist. Yeah. Out in Indo. He went out to Indo. Phil yeah. Goodrich or something like that, or yes. Goodrich or, yeah. Phenomenal. Really good surfer. Insane yeah. surfer, right? Yeah. Um, that was probably like one of the first guys to really put Chris, I mean, I could be wrong on this, but like plant a, fat, a flag for, for Chris somewhere yeah. other than San Diego. And, you know, you're getting these shots of double overhead barrels and, you know, perfect lighting. And this guy's on a Christensen board, you know? So full circle. Now I'm working for Chris at his factory out by moonlight. So this is like 2011. And I mean, he's a global brand now. Yeah. So, you know, in that period of time, he blew up and I'm like, dude, obviously this is way more than just board building, you know? And I think Chris went to point Loma for a marketing degree and he did a really good job of branding himself and branding the name Christensen. And I went to lunch with him one day and I asked him, I'm like, dude, I mean, you've come a long way since the mid nineties. Like what, if you could say one thing made the difference, what was it? And he goes easy, the ability to travel. And I go, what does that, what does that mean to building a brand? He goes, well, you know, I'd go to Europe and I'd pre-book 30 shapes but then in the time that I got there, I'd, there'd be 20 more, you know, yeah. because then I landed a distributor and then 50 would turn into like 150 on the next trip. Yeah. And, you know, each one of those is like a savings account or investment that just grows exponentially every time you come through it, you know, more yeah. and more people are becoming a part of your ripple. And so how have you done in that regard? Like, where are you in that regard? If that's the, the number one lesson from Chris, where are you in this? Well, this- and you know, Chris, Chris admittedly said that, you know, like, look, you know, being single, not having a family to, you know, take care of in a sense, which, you know, he, he very rightfully has adapted, has adopted the shop as his family, you know, like he yeah. takes care of those guys and cares for them like a family. Yeah. But for me personally, yeah, I, I haven't had that opportunity to travel because I, at the time still had a young family, but now in this season of life, yeah, uh, the boys are 21 and 19, you know, my wife's a flight attendant, like travel is definitely way more, uh, accessible for me. Yeah. So now we just got to deal with this whole pandemic stuff and, yeah. you know, see what happens on, on that level. But I've done some trips like to Florida, well, we went to Japan. You, you got some. Japan. You got some good stuff in Japan, right? Yep. So the uh, listeners don't know, but we. So you and I did a boardroom show in Japan in 2019 before the yep. pandemic, and um, that was a fun trip. I mean, it was a great trip. It was my first time. I believe it was your first time. Yep, in Japan. first time. I don't know. What are some? Do you have a highlight from that? From that trip? Oh man, definitely several highlights. I mean. That was such a good trip, man. I, I so bummed we we couldn't get back there the next year. But um, watching, I think Ricky Carroll, Wayne Rich, and Christensen tag team shape that gun was 
that was something I don't think any of us have ever seen or expected to happen. You know, yeah, yeah. that was definitely one of one of the highlights. But there are numerous for sure. Yeah. So for the listeners who don't know, we had this beautiful blank of a gun blank, and those three guys decided sort of on the spot to just to shape it together for legendary uh, iconic shaper in in uh, Japan, like the, sort of the godfather, like the Skip Fry, so to speak, or the Dick yeah. Brewer of Japan. Sadly, my memory's failing me on his name. Why you? Yes, thank you. Why you? Why you? Yeah, why you? Yeah, Yakutasan, right? Yep. yep. Yakutasan, and um, that was really special. And of course, Yakutasan was moved by the gift. He didn't even mm-hmm. know it was coming. They they did this thing, and the the audience clapped, and then they brought in Yakutasan to to accept the thing. And he was just psyched, you know, that was yeah. cool. That was a lot of fun. It was really honoring. I felt, I thought, oh, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, especially for those guys of that caliber, you know, freaking Ricky Carroll alone. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. That guy's a madman genius, you know, watching him go in there and, and shape the channels with his planer. I mean, that blew Wayne Rich and Christensen away, you know, exactly. that, you know, like, so yeah, for the three of them to come together and to agree you know, collectively to do that for him was, that was awesome, man. That was really, yeah. really cool. It's funny. Drinking, like uh, Drinking at night on the streets with Ricky Carroll was a lot of fun. <laughs> Dude, it was so dangerous. I mean, you were walking around, you know, Tokyo and there's these vending machines with cold and hot coffee and cold beer in them. And Ricky's just like putting in the money and we're just cracking them and just walking. And oh my gosh, dude. That was a lot of fun. Um, well, let's go back a little bit. I mean, in 2011, you and I went to Santa Cruz. Remember, we drove those oh friggin' – we loaded up two massive U-Haul trucks with all of our gear, all the shaping bays, everything it took to, to put on a show, and we drove. Let's, 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 let's be c- clear here. I drove. Okay, good. Yes. Let's, I drove yes. that massive U-Haul truck with – Weren't there two on. of them? Remember? No, 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 no. Hold on, hold on. I drove the massive one that had all the show stuff in it, and I drove it up with what's his name? Oh, okay. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. It's Sir Swami's all the time. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh my gosh. I know you mean. I know. I was about to say Caleb, but it's not Caleb. It's uh, no. Uh, I can see his face. Owen. 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 Yes, dude. I drove up there, and <clears throat> I remember parking right by the hook with the van. I couldn't believe there was a spot big enough for this thing. And Owen and I had thrown our surfboards into the back of the truck and pleasure point was like six to eight foot and just roping down the point. And that was like intro to Santa Cruz for him. And uh, man, that weekend just, that weekend was phenomenal. That was like, honestly, selfishly, in my opinion, that was the best show we'd ever did was that show. That was a cool show. And that was with the people at, um, at what is now Emerald Expositions. Um, okay. At the time, it was Nielsen, right? And yes, I remember the Nielsen. Sarah and some other people yes. really helped us. And the waves were pumping, as you mentioned, and Santa Cruz was stoked to have us. We were at the yes. Rittenhouse building in downtown yes. Santa Cruz. The location was phenomenal. There was this crazy old bank so building right. that was just empty, and we just moved in for the weekend. I mean, logistically, it was a challenge because it was an yeah. upstairs, downstairs. But it, it just had such a vibe to it. The, the location, the weather, the surf. It was the first show. That, it was electric, man. Remember, it snowed. It snowed in oh, Santa that's Cruz. Right. <laughs> it snowed in Santa Cruz that weekend. Also, do you remember John Carper and a chainsaw? 
Yes, Carper had his chainsaw. He was doing the chainsaw thing where he was in the shaping bay, shaping a board. With... He was standing on top of that thing, cutting the outline out with a chainsaw. He shaved was... like a lot of the board with that thing. Wasn't it a gas-powered chainsaw too? Yes, it, wasn't it was a like lot... a steel. The thing was having like fumes were coming out. Of that thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he was in this friggin' shaping bay. Dude. That's crazy. That show was unreal, man. You know, Rich Novak. Oh, you guys did the uh, the big wave, the Billabong double XL big That's wave right. thing with Greg yeah. Long, right? Yeah, Bill Sharp put that on the double XL um, sort of awesome. display exhibit. Yeah, that was really cool. And but then the I, you know what? Of- that was the yeah, that was the weekend that Scion I died at Mavericks. I mean, that tells you what was going on energy wise in the ocean at the time. Mavericks yeah. was like you know awake and doing its thing. Yeah, that was such a bummer. That's right. Scion passed away that, that weekend. I think yeah. that Saturday or Sunday. That was horrible. Another highlight from that show was, uh, I think, the Santa Cruz mayor, city mayor's office. They awarded Doug Hout with a, an award of some sort or like the key to sit the city or something. And then they dedicated that day to like Doug Hout Day in Santa Cruz. Really? I didn't yeah. know that. Do you remember this? No, I don't remember that. That's amazing. Oh, yeah. That's so yeah. cool. I talked to Doug the other day. I called him and we were How's he doing? He's doing great. He's doing great. But, you know, Rich Novak deserves a big shout out for both he of the Santa Cruz, Cruz shows because he he really sort of like, you know, made the thing happen in many ways, you know, sort of opened up the city to us and allowed us to do that thing. And Mark Angel was one of the mm-hmm. guys we honored and um, Steve, mm-hmm. Col- or not honored, but he was one of the guys that was in the shape off. We, we honored Doug Howe. Yeah. Um, Steve Coletta, Bob Pearson, of course, and mm-hmm. Ward Wayne Coffee. Rich. Ward Coffee was the winner. Ward yeah, Coffee won, won the shape off, and it was cool. Dude, there was Steve Santa Coletta. Cruz. Was a, I know that guy's wow. a classic. Yeah. <laughs> wow, he's a classic. <laughs> he deserves to be honored. Totally. I still ride a Steve Coletta. This every winter, I have a board that I ride of his. But anyway, enough about me. This is about your oh, memories. Wasn't. Uh, wasn't um... <clears throat> Yvonne Chouinard, or not Yvonne Chouinard. Oh, uh, Michelle Genaud. Michelle Genaud. Wasn't he one of the shapers in that? I believe he was. Let's see. One, two, three, four. No, there's only five guys because it was okay. a long board. We had to trim it to five guys. I think Michelle was in the next one, the one we did in oh, Santa Cruz. Oh, oh got you, got you. At the, at the um, you know, the basketball arena, the Warriors. Oh, team. that's right. Yeah. Um, let's see. 2012 was Mark Richards. Mm-hmm. I think Ricky Carroll won that. I don't know yep. if you have any recollection of that. No, he did. That. He won that one. I, Reno was, uh, I think, probably in contention for the winning on that one. But Ricky nailed he nailed the tail width and something about the wings that I think no one else had. And I think Rawson was in the running too, but that mm. because he hadn't fine fine sanded it, there were some scuffs in it or something. Yeah. Then we um, twenty eleven was. Ekstrom, Carl Ekstrom. And again, you're you're like the guy that's closest to all of these competitions because you're basically the director of them. I'm running around trying to get other stuff handled. Yeah. And I count on you to just kind of make sure that these things run smoothly. And so you're mm-hmm. you're closer to it than anyone. I mean, you have you have um experiences and recollections that that simply nobody else has because you were there real well, close. It's it's been amazing on a personal level to see all these things happen, you know, behind the scenes from, from the perspective that I alone get probably you're the only other person that would be in the same, same position as me, but it's been 
something that is carried over from one show into another. And then in the time span between those shows, not with all of the master shapers, but with probably the majority of them, you know, like their names and phone numbers are in my phone. Yeah. And I mean, I get to call <laughs> Wayne Lynch and talk surfboard design with him. You know? Yeah. Uh, I've called Jerry Lopez and talked about the bolt, you know, um, Ekstrom. I've been over to Ekstrom's house and just heard the most ridiculous stories. <laughs> oh my gosh. The wonder bra story alone is worthy of a podcast. I'm telling you right now. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, having access to these guys during the show and afterwards, I think has also elevated my personal uh, experience and knowledge and abilities as a board builder, but it's, and I hope you don't mind me saying this, but for me, it, I really appreciate the history, where things are coming from. You know, why, why did IPA do the sting instead of a wing? You know, like knowing that stuff matters to me, you know, other people would be like, oh, whatever, I don't care, you know, but like that stuff I find invaluable, you know, and so being around these guys, you know, the guys, you know, the board, you know, that picture of that moment, you know, it's, uh, it's really rich. Yeah, it is. The IPA one, I remember we had Axel Lorenz from Pucas over in Spain fly out and compete yep. in that. That was really cool getting to meet him. And he was oh, super yeah. stoked, obviously, you know, to be able to um, be involved in the IPA thing. They're having a paddle out for, for Ben. Mm-hmm. I think it might have happened last weekend or it's coming up here um, out at Al Moana. They're having a paddle out in Hawaii. Yeah. Um, let's see the Mark Richards one we talked about, mm-hmm. um, Terry Martin. We went to orange County orange for County. Terry Mount Martin. Albany won that one. The waves were pumping that weekend. It was like yeah. a massive South swell or a hurricane swell or something. It was just yeah. like Richter. And then did you, you went to Orlando with me, right? Or no, no, I haven't done Orlando with you. Okay. You didn't go to Orlando. So we went to Orlando and we honored rich price and, um, Stu Kenson won that one. And that's where we, this is, this is the year that I finally got the chunk of foam challenge going. Right. I had traveled with Christensen to Australia prior to the the first sacred craft. I'm like, Chris, I want to give them a chunk of foam. These guys are so-called experts. Let's see what they can do with a chunk of foam. And Chris was poo-pooing it rightly. So he's like, that's a bad idea. You know, like you're just going to, you know, but, but eventually I did get around to doing a chunk of foam challenge. I made the chunk of foam a little smaller, but who won the one at the Orange County chunk of foam challenge? It was Stu, I think. Yeah, yeah it was Stu because it was that it was that burn challenge. Yeah, because Calvani won the mass, the icon shape off. Right. No, absolutely. So Stu won the chunk of foam, and and Stu went to Orlando and won the the icons of foam shape off, honoring Rich Price that same year. Yeah, he was on a roll. And Ricky Carroll won the Chunk of Foam Challenge there in Orlando. And then 2015, we did Rusty Preisendorfer. I believe, yeah, Roger Hines won that. Um, that was cool. We had Dave Parmenter in the Shaping Bay. Enjoyed that. Dave, wow. Of course, the funny story there is Ward's board, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ward Coffee probably would have won that, except, <clears throat> you know, watching each of these master – 
shapers that, you know, are chosen to be honored. They, they all have their own style and way of judging the boards and Rusty and Clint were really particular. They were all by the number, you know, and every, every shaper got a brand new sheet of paper and Rusty started with, okay, Clint, tell me how long the shape is. <laughs> like the first thing was Ward's board was two inches too long, you know, other than that, he nailed everything. And Rusty told him, he's like, dude, I, I can't give it to you. It's two inches yeah. too long. What can I say? You know? Yeah. Uh, and I actually have that shape and it's beautiful. It's, it's if that was Christensen, he would have charged you a hundred dollars off your invoice. Two yeah. <laughs> <laughs> inches too long, a hundred dollars an inch. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, watching each guy, you know, pick like how they're going to judge the boards has been really interesting, you know, and it tells a lot about how they approach board building, you know, as a whole too. Well, then in 2016, you and I traveled to Santa Cruz again. And I think that this is when we both drove trucks up there. Yes. Is that correct? Yeah. Yes. Those are, that was a nightmare. See, because I think the first one you were in first class on a private jet, like it was a G5 <laughs> up to Santa Cruz or something like that, I think. Yeah. Nielsen paid for all that. The benefits of Nielsen expositions, I guess. Yes. But that was fun. We honored John Mel and again, Rich Novak helped um, tremendously by having Santa Cruz. John Mel? Yeah, John Mel. Wasn't it John Mel? Yeah, it was John Mel. Oh, yeah, Peter Mel's dad. Yep. Yeah, we honored John Mel. That was a knee board, right? It was, yeah. And he had the dimples on the bottom. Exactly. Yeah, that was a rad shape. Uh, Nick Palandrani? Yeah, Palandrani. Palandrini? Palandrani. I got got scolded from 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 the seats, man. I kept saying his name wrong. Finally, somebody in the family just like scolded me for saying it so wrong. <laughs> yeah, I think the mom. Yeah. I learned. It's Rightly a, so. It's draining. Palin draining. Yeah. Um, Source surfboards. Right. And yeah, Michelle Genode was in that. Uh, that was the t- first time we had a, wom- a woman in the Icons of Foam shape off. Oh, Ashley yes. Lloyd was in Ashley it. Ashley Lloyd. And. Um, Kalu Coletta, Steve's son. Kalu was Steve's in son. it. Uh, Ryan Lovelace was in that one. Yep. Anyone Ward, else? Ward Coffee. Ward. Yep. Yeah, that was a good one. Wait, which competition was it that Ward was not? He wasn't invited to, but he was the. Oh, it was the Jerry Lopez lightning bolt. He was just walking through the hall, and one of the shapers that was supposed to be there couldn't make it or something happened. And we just were like, Hey, Ward, <laughs> want to take a crack at this? That's, and he jumped in cool. there with like none of his own tools and went, went at it. That's cool. I see. That's the thing that I forgot. I forgot this. This is why you're on the show to help me remember what well, you're running around freaking dealing with so many other fires and keeping the overall show going. Yeah. The Lopez one was a big one. That was, that was a big one. Show. And then the next year we followed it up um, with Al Merrick. I mean, you were right there in the middle of it with Al Merrick. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's the first year that we did the man on man heats. Yes. Where we broke it into like a bracket, like an NCAA basketball bracket. Yep. We had two shaping bays going. Almost kind of UFC. Yeah. MMA, UFC. Into the, into the gladiator pit you go. Yeah, exactly. And that really, sort of doubled your anxiety all of a sudden you're dealing with you're dealing with two shaping bays 
Well, we were always doing your right hand man, David. Tracy Taylor. You got you got your right hand man, Tracy Taylor, kind of. Yeah. You know. But we were always dealing with two shaping bays. But it, the second shaping bay was like the stepson. <laughs> yeah. You know, just kind of over in the corner by itself, kind of like you're still in the B category if you're over here shaping. I'm not, I'm not putting down those guys and the people that participated in that, but it didn't yeah. have quite the same uh, draw, you know. I think yeah. a lot of people were really, really honing in on the shape off competition. You know, the other one was what uh, demonstrative, you know, but yeah. yeah, I think that was another great elevation in your show was when you implemented that, uh, that style of shape off competition. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, the listeners should know that basically anything that has to do with these things, I call you and you and I discuss it, you know? And so you're, mm-hmm. you're, you were a part of that, obviously Rex, Rex Marshall flew over from Australia and won the Almeric one, which was a total dark horse. I don't think anyone saw that coming. Um, Mark Andrini was 2018. Travis Reynolds won. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, in 2019, our last show, Wayne Lynch. We honored Wayne. Wayne came out. You and I had a great time with Wayne Lynch at your Wayne house. Lynch. Can't say enough about that human being. Isn't it cool? Stellar human being right there. Yeah, I got to have lunch, and I'm sure you did too. A couple of times with Wayne mm-hmm. and just you know just wrapping out with him about life and just yeah. it was so great and then you know so what what I what is sort of the most amazing thing for me is um at your house mm-hmm. uh, up there in Lacadia spending time with Wayne as we drew the, the t- we made the templates right yeah. so we spent a couple hours just BSing on surfboard design with Wayne Lynch. I mean, you and I were like pinching ourselves going, holy shit, this guy's our hero. And he's just the nicest guy. Just like a lesson in humility, you know? Totally. Super cool. And Ryan Birch won that one. Second. Um, You know, because we're kind of going through these shows and we're saying, oh, yeah, I remember we honored this guy and this guy won. You know, there is no small feat in winning one of these shows. None at all. Because you're you're up against some of the best in the industry. Travis Reynolds winning the Andrini show, winning it alone deserves an award. <laughs> if that makes sense, what I'm saying, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. cause those Andrini shapes were not easy. I know, especially the final board, the final in and of itself, two hours to shape an 11 foot glider. And he's competing against Wayne Rich. Rich. I mean, <laughs> take a second here and put all of those elements onto the scale and Travis Reynolds walks away with the win. I mean, come on, dude. Well, here's the one thing that I had no idea. He just wins of all of your shows. Well, here's the thing is that what I learned later, and I didn't know, I know. this. I know. Yeah. yeah you're, go ahead. Tell him what. Well, Travis shapes for him. Right. Travis shaped for Andrini for a long time. But let's, let's, let's really put this in perspective. You're a young guy. And at this point, Travis has had success as a brand, as a shaper, a a father, a husband, you know, all those things. When, when you're coming in to shape at that show, you still are facing off with some of the best. I mean, the final is Wayne Rich. That's like, your, your, your freshman year on the WCT and you're surfing against Kelly Slater. Yeah. In the final to win it yeah. all. You know what I'm saying? Like 
Yeah, Wayne's won it twice Take prior, home. so it's two-time champion. Right. Let's say it's at your home break. Yeah. It's a way that you know inside and out. You still have to go in there and execute three shapes better yeah. than somebody else. So even with all the kind of inside knowledge of the glider and the rocker and the rip, all of that, he still had to go in there with those self-imposed expectations. Like, you're, you're right. If, if anyone should win, this guy should win. But it's also more reason to blow it, you know? Yeah. Does that make sense? No, for sure. For sure. I mean, it's... Uh, Hats off to Travis Reynolds. I think it's one of the biggest wins of all know, years. You know, it's funny you say that. I, I think this is a great little topic because I think, the, in my opinion, one of the greatest wins was in 2010 when we honored Simon Anderson down in San oh. Diego at ASR. Oh, my you, gosh. You were there for that, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Dude. and there was Brian... Um, Brian... Um, Bulkley and Jason from chemistry. Um, Lermo. Larry was in that one. Um, I think Michael, Michael Barron was in that one. And um, Matt Violas won it from lost. And at the time, the reason I think that was a big deal is because it's not that Matt needed street cred because he had plenty of credibility by this time i mean he was making boards for world champions but but um i think he appreciated the fact that he beat all those guys with a planer in his hand to win the simon anderson board which you know he's he's given like you know i mean simon anderson he's like everybody should give simon a dollar for every thruster he's made you know and so it was just really kind of fitting and it gave him sort of like a little boost i think it gave matt a little bit of street cred not again not that he needed it but i think it was cool that well i think that was one of the biggest ones i think what you're talking about as far as like street cred was that you know no names being said here but there was there was some whisper among some of the shaping community that you know when's the last time matt hand shaped a board you know And, and what so what who cares you know like the fact is matt knew how to hand shape boards but because of the success of his brand, you know, just like Christensen, you remember Christensen had a card on his boards and it, it was like a photo of him and his mask, you know, and his glasses. And you didn't even see his face. You just saw, you know, a picture of a guy with a hat, glasses and a mask on. <clears throat> and it said 100% hand shaped, always has been, always will be. Well, that was before he had tens of thousands of orders. How are you going to fulfill that? There's not enough time in the day to fulfill that many orders. So brands of that level are forced to make a decision at some point. Am I going to step across the hand-shaped threshold and rely on some help from CNC machines? Or am I going to hire 10 guys and teach them all how to handshape, you know, like, like the previous generations did? Yeah. Matt had already gone through all that. You know, Lost was already a mega brand globally. So he, he was already dealing with, I'm not a handshaper. You know, how could I be at this level? Yeah. But he went into that room. <clears throat> we were having light problems. I remember like some of the bulbs were flickering or something. And Matt just killed one side of the room and he stood on the other side where there was light or no, he stood on the dark room side and relied on the light from one and he just rotated the board and he That's just cool. on this That's side, cool. rotated the board, shaped it. And half the time when he was looking the board over, he would come out of the shaping room to get a better light view of it. The, the lighting in that hall was really bad. I remember down at the San Diego convention center. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> I think that was the first year the fire marshal 
required us to have open ceilings of some sort. So we came up with the perforated boards, you know, and it just lighting. Anyway, long story short, Matt Biolos went in there and he put on a clinic. Yeah. The speed and the accuracy that he handshaped that board at was, it was, it was phenomenal. Yeah. And hearing his commentary in there, I can't even say half the stuff that guy said in that room. That's let's, cool. Let's just say Helen Keller's name came up a handful of times. You know, <laughs> <laughs> he, felt like he was shaping blind and in the dark, you know, and <laughs> out the later, you know, it was freaking amazing, dude. It was awesome. That's cool, man. That was a good one. There were some, there were some good ones. I mean, uh, there've been some, I know when Wayne has won a few times that when Wayne won the Renniator one. Oh yeah. Wayne Rich won the Renniator one. That meant a lot to Wayne. Rennie is his mentor. Wayne had a shaping bay right next to Rennie's. That was a big deal. Um, and, and it should be noted too, and you know this better than most, but these are competitions, but what we're trying to do is, is to highlight the, the beautiful craft of hand shaping a surfboard, you know, and, um, and to honor even more importantly, honor these guys that deserve to be honored. And so, although it is a competition, we do like to um, acknowledge that it's a, it's a friendly thing. It's done in the spirit of acknowledging the concept and the craft of handshaping boards. Yeah. And a lot of these guys, you know, like a Wayne Rich and especially even some of the females, you know, people, people don't even know they exist, you know, tell me about this year. <clears throat> well, like who do you see? So this year we've got eight shapers. Um, we've got the defending champion, Ryan Birch. Mm-hmm. We've got Timmy Patterson. Oh, man. We've got Chris Christensen. These are all guys, by the way, if you don't know in listener land, the, the honoree, in this case, Pat Rawson, picks these people. I don't pick them. Tim doesn't pick them. These people are picked by the honoree. The champion always has the right to return and defend. And the champion can defend, yeah. Mm-hmm. So Birch is defending. We've got Timmy Patterson, Chris Christensen, Bill Barnfield. Chris Borg. Who, by the way, Barnfield's the guy that taught Rusty how to take those measurements that you were talking about back in the day. Yep. Chris Borst, who's, in my opinion, one of the most underrated shapers out there right now. He's making all of Taylor's boards. He's a guy that with the right business branding could be huge. Definitely. Um, who am I missing here? I'm missing somebody from this. Oh, Ricky Carroll. Yep. And Rich coming up. Rich isn't – no, Rich isn't going to make it. So – we got Valerie Duprat. That's it. That's it. From Mermaid Surfboards, who I absolutely love this woman. She's such a she's an incredible biochemist and engineer. And she's uh, and she's just wonderful. She's got a great humility about her. Um, I think I mentioned all of them, but I'm, I feel like I'm missing somebody. No, I think that's it. Now we were supposed to have Tokuda san from Japan, the defending champion from our Japan show. Right come over but because of the COVID situation he can't come over but i'm holding a spot for him whenever this thing clears up and he, hopefully he can come over next year that was the uh Har- harlem surfboards was his yeah brand? yeah harlem surfboards yeah tokuda son i mean i just given you the names i think i didn't i think i didn't miss one i don't think so it sounds like we got them all in there who do you who do you anticipate? I mean, we've got a three time champion in Ricky Carroll. I've even told Ricky, and you know this, and I'll tell everyone. I'm like Ricky, you've won it three times. Give somebody else a chance, you know. But again, it's not my call. It's the call of Pat, and Pat and Ricky are like super tight, you know. 
So, well, Rick, Ricky's got to be a favorite. He, he's he's just I don't know how many boards he's done by hand in his life, but mm-hmm. this guy he knows how to travel with his tools, plug in and focus mm-hmm. and get the job done. No, I, I would agree with that. I mean, I kind of feel like you and I right now are like sports commentators, you know, pregame show picks, you know, like let's talk about defense here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, you know, it's like picking the winning lottery numbers. I mean, any one of these guys, you're right, could win this, you know, in their own right. You would kind of look at a guy like Bill Barnfield being on the North shore himself, knowing Pat Rossin personally being in the water you know, with all those guys. Oh, let me interrupt real quick. You know who we you know who we missed? Ryan Sakel. Oh, Ryan Sakel is taking Rich Price's place. That's and it. Ryan <clears throat> makes a lot of boards for me, and I'm a big fan of him. Hey, Ryan, we didn't mean to forget you there. No, Ryan's in. Uh, I yeah. would love it if Ryan won. Talk about a dark <laughs> or Valerie. If Valerie won, I'd be ecstatic. You know, I know Rawson. Whenever he's here, he's out at the Christensen factory. You know, I who knows how much exposure Chris has had to any of the boards directly that are coming through the factory. I don't know that Chris does any of those shapes himself. I think Pat does all of his own shaping and then they just go through on glass. So you and I don't even know what boards are being picked yet. No. Right. We have a few. Well, the- I might know. <laughs> you don't know. You don't know, but I know. But again, it, it just comes down to like what I said in the, already, which is, you know, everyone is, is susceptible to being on their a game one day and then blowing it the next day. You know, Ricky Carroll could come in feeling hung, you know, jet lagged and hung over. I don't know. And blow it, but he could come in the same way and win it. You know, I mean, it, that's, what's great about this thing is you can really kind of expect one person to do well. I mean, I don't know. Did any of us look at Ryan Birch and go, this guy's going to kill it, but he smoked every person he shaped against man yeah I mean, the, you know, that doesn't surprise me now we know yeah the birch thing I mean, doesn't surprise me. in the past like i think he's he's always been a a, a contender but personally i think this the thing that i've seen that has bitten him in the butt a little bit is just the thinness in his rails you know and who knows like is that truly an overshaped thing or is it just the difference between how a board feels when it's not glassed and how it feels when it is glassed, you know? Uh, how about Timmy Patterson? I mean, Timmy's just, he's shaping boards for the world champion and the gold medal winner all at the same time. I mean, that's what I'm saying. He could come in on his A game and just slay it. Timmy got, you know, just between you and me, Timmy got second place in the caster shape off in, o, in 08. I mean, it's kind of a coin toss. You know what I mean? It was like any of these people. It's really splitting hairs at that point. Those two shapes in the final, it's like you're really looking for fly fly shit in the pepper. You're like, what what do we pick to be the differentiator here? Yeah. So anyway, it'll be fun. Like we're honoring Rawson and it'll be good. And um, it's going to be a good show. Before we go, tell me a little bit about the Hawkeye, which is behind me. Um, But people aren't going to be able to see this. This is going to be an audio only podcast. But you've made me a, a Hawkeye. You've made my son a Hawkeye. I've been out of the water with a foot injury, but Hank's been ripping on his. And I know your kids, Caleb and Micah, have been ripping on theirs. So tell me about the Hawkeye design. It's a twin fin. Um, I'm excited about riding it. It's, it's, um, yeah. 
I'm jazzed. I can't well, I'm excited for you to write it. I think it's going to be something that uh, you're going to enjoy, hopefully. And um, I think it'll hopefully be better than expected, maybe. Um, that's kind of the thing that I'm getting from the people that have had them and, and are writing them pretty consistently is better than expected. I think typically when you think of twin fin, you think fast and loose, uh, which, you know, depending on your style of surfing, that could be exactly what you're looking for. But I think that most surfers are looking for fast, but in control. Yeah. And twin fins typically, you know, they have these points where they hold, 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 and then it's complete release. Yeah. And it, it comes back to style, but when you're doing a bottom turn, you don't want to slide out. <laughs> no. Uh, and when you're coming off the top and the lip, you know, you, you do want to slide out, you know, you want, you want to get free and get fins loose and all that. And then I think that's what this board does is it gives you control where you want it and it lets go where you want it. It's not a fish. Okay. It's a hybrid. So it has a twin fin nose, kind of a classic fish nose template to it, but the back half of the board has more of a parallel outline that flows into wings for release and then a pintail for control again. And the spiral V that goes through the tail is another element of control. I think what people typically like about twin fins is they're out of the gates. You hit your upper gears really quickly. You get going really fast, really quick. Yeah. And where starts to break down is those points where you're really leaning on the rail and you're feeling the tail kind of start to come loose the deep double concave and the spiral v out of the tail bring back control but it's also about the distance between the two fins when you have a white tail fish and your fins are spread apart when you're leaning on one rail and transition to your other rail the distance between those two fins is where the disconnect happens so when you bring those fins a little closer together and you have bottom contours between those two that are deep channels and a high center point, that's all elements of control. You're directing water flow. And so you gain back some control where typically a twin fin lets go. But once you get release up in the lip, you know, fins free. I mean, again, like I said, that's where I think you get the best of both worlds out of the Hawkeye. Cool. Most Hawkeyes I've been making like this, the wing twin pin with the spiral V, they're all under six foot. They're all 5'11", 5'10", 5'9", 5'8", 5'6", all the way down to 4'11", the smallest I've made for Sutton Tudor as of now. Sutton's riding one of these? Yeah, Sutton and Wyatt, I made them a duo pair. Oh, my Lord. I'm going to have to deal with those two guys. uh, (laughs) Or 5'2", or something like that. Oh, well, uh, well, I, you know, I'm 56 years old. You, <laughs> I'm not sure how big, what's mine? 5'10", 5'11"? 5'11". And three quarters. <laughs> yeah. Like Roger Hines, two and three quarters champion. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, I'm excited to ride it. I'm, I think I'll be get, be able to get out on it this week. My, yeah. my injury's healing up here. So, so listen, earlier in the podcast, you asked who has been the biggest direct influence. Yes. Previously, I would say it was direct influence was Dave Dom, but more currently this year, I had Roger Hines move into my shop. Uh, He comes down on Fridays from Seal Beach and works the weekend down at the shop. And 
I would say presently the person that I am presently learning the most about every aspect of yeah. being a board builder. I mean, including making your own tail blocks. Yeah, no, the, no, you, dude. This guy Roger Hines is the man. He's a psycho, dude. Yeah, yeah. I think he's sixty six or sixty seven. Dude, this guy works circles around me. Yeah. Everybody in in my building sees it too. Barry, oh, Smith, Michael Takayama, who that guy's a beast. Yeah. Wes Holderman, he's a beast. Every guy on the block is tipping the hat to Roger freaking Hines, dude. This guy yeah. is an animal. Oh, there's no doubt about it. I mean, he he's known, I think, Rarick and, um, and Rusty both are going to tell you that <clears throat> Roger Hines is the ultimate craftsman. I would agree. He, he can do everything and everything at a level that's I A++. Plus plus. Absolutely. Yeah. So – we're always excited. And Roger will be one of the judges in the Pat Ross and shape off. We got a bunch of cool stuff. We got best in show. Yep. That's going to be insane. Presented by Zio Boffo organic Italian wines. We've got how it's made, which is like a start to finish exhibit by Revchem Douglas surf company. We've got the boardroom talks. Mm-hmm. Chris Morrow is going to host those moderate those panels. And those are going to include, you know, Fred Hemmings is coming out. Oh, wow. um, they're going to do a really good, cool talk on the, you and the auction, right? The auction, the boards, will, some of the boards will be there. The auction actually takes place a, the following week. Oh, okay. Got yeah. You. But we'll have some of the auction boards on display. Nice. Um, we're live streaming the event this year. So you, on Sunday, you'll be able to see the entire event um, live streamed. <laughs> uh, sponsoring that one. Board shaper, board shaper app, which is a business software enterprise business software. Board Shaper is going to be involved with that. And, um, and of course, the Icons of Foam, the entire show is presented by U.S. Blanks, who's we're just super excited to have loyal sponsorship from U.S. Blanks, who's incredibly What do you helpful. think the partici- participation is going to be like from the, from the crowd? think it's going to be a big show? Oh, it's going to be huge. For the first time, I've, I've put tickets on sale early mm-hmm. because I've been getting emails from just randoms that are like, I want to buy a ticket. You know, like, and usually I don't do that until a month prior. Yep. But I just put tickets on sale a couple of days ago, and we're already getting slammed with tickets. Out, so it's going to be great. Yeah, excited. Awesome. Anyway, enough about me, Tim Crozier, Bo- uh, Blackbird Surfboards. Tim Crozier. Okay, bud. Talk to you soon. All right, bud. That was fun.